Welcome to the Living to Thrive with Cancer podcast, a podcast about the big and little issues that come with living with cancer. I'm Catherine White, a stage four colon cancer thriver, passionate about supporting others who have faced a cancer diagnosis and are looking to feel empowered in taking back control of their health and happiness. My own health scare helped me to learn more about myself and how to live with cancer, and it led me to become a cancer support coach so I can help others through the ins and outs, the ups and downs, and all the crazy things that come with life with cancer. So let's get started. Welcome back, everyone. Today is episode 1.10 of the Living to Thrive with Cancer podcast. In today's episode, I'm talking about healing, the type of healing that comes after the medication, treatments, and plans associated with cancer. We're going to take a look at the questions, what do I mean by healing after treatment? What are the pieces of healing that we often aren't told about? Why do we need to look at healing beyond the doctor's office? And what you need to know to help you heal yourself. So what do I mean by healing after treatment? Let me begin by saying that this isn't about conventional medicine versus alternative medicine or adjuvant therapies. This is about coming to understand that those two pieces can work separate from each other or they can work together. That's your choice. What I'm talking about is coming from my own cancer experience and I just want to share that with you. I elected for conventional treatment for my colon cancer. I did surgeries and chemotherapy as part of my treatment plan. And while I was undergoing all of this, I did what I thought was my best to stay healthy in spite of what was going on inside of me. Now I've shared with you before that I really didn't know much about nutrition at the time, um, but I did know that things slowly started shifting during this time and I began to become more aware of what I was eating. Now I did my best to get outside as well, as much as I could. I maintained some running until I couldn't do that anymore. I did yoga until I couldn't do that anymore. And I have to say, I wish I'd known more about restorative yoga then because I sure could have used the stress reduction. And I got outside and went for walks almost every day. But that was when I was in treatment. This is about the after part. This is the part where the medication is done um, or you, you know it's been tapered off or it's not as intense as it was when you were going through cancer treatments. The treatments might be done, the procedures might be over, or you know, you're in that place of we'll see you in a few months and we'll keep an eye on you. This is the part where they say you're healthy. So off you go. Go back to living your life. This is a hard part. This is a tricky part. Just release you from the system and go back to living your normal life. This is what I'm talking about with the healing after treatment. I'm talking about the piece where things are quote unquote healed or completed, but really they aren't. Because healing after treatment is a whole different type of work. It can still fall under the scope of medical type treatments, but what I want to talk about today is the adjuvant therapies that can happen both during, as it's safe and available, and after the fact. So what are the pieces of healing that we aren't often told about? I wanna break that down into two major categories. Let's call them the stuff we can see and the stuff we can't see. The stuff we can see to some may seem like no big deal. You had some surgery, now you have a scar. Lots of people have scars, no big deal, right? Wrong. So here's the deal with scars. Let's talk about the scars on the outside that we can see. They aren't just funky looking wounds that have healed. Scars actually have a lot going on. Underneath that scar is something we call fascia. 
And fascia is a dynamic continuum of tissue that's present throughout your whole body. So think of fascia like a spider web or even as plastic wrap. It covers everything on the inside and is smart and is a messenger in the body. And there's a connection between that scar and the fascia. The fascia suspends and protects everything in your body, muscles, organs, nerves, bones, and more. Healthy fascia has a gel-like consistency, but an injury or surgery or trauma, including emotional trauma or repetitive use can cause areas of it to become dehydrated or restricted. And as a scar forms, it establishes a new, what they call anchor point or fixation in the body. This prevents that fascia from being able to glide or move around freely. Scar adhesions interfere with the fascia continuity and create this kind of like congestion between the different layers of fascia so that they're not slippery and sliding around the way they're meant to. Now these restrictions combine and add tension into that web I was talking about, that fascial web, and this puts a lot of pressure on the sensitive structures that are sort of in that pathway, your joints, nerves, organs, muscles, and this can result in pain and dysfunction. Now I've learned a lot about what can happen when you don't nurture your scars. I have a very large scar as a result of my liver surgery that looks like the pointy end of a triangle. It runs from just below my ribs on the right side up to just below my sternum and then down on the left. Now there's some interesting things that happen around this scar. So first of all, I have limited feeling from cut nerves. So that's a whole piece in itself where I can't really feel what's going on um, from above my belly button to just below my sternum. Second of all, I get these crazy muscle spasms in my abdominal muscles that I can only compare to like when I was pregnant and I could feel or see the foot of the baby underneath the surface. And this is all a result of the scarring from this surgery. My other big scar issue is from my lung surgery. Unfortunately, it couldn't be done laparoscopically like they'd wanted to, so I have this big, beautiful fishhook type scar on my lower right shoulder blade. And this one is a bit of a problem child, and I know I shouldn't think of it in that way. I want to love it and nurture it, but it gives me a little bit of grief from time to time. The scarring from this has caused me some mobility issues in my shoulder blade and my ribs that I've only recently started to come and under to understand and start doing some work on. Um, now, if I think I think if I'd been given some direction, I might have started this work. Actually, I know I would have started this work two years ago, but there were no recommendations. Just a great, you're all done, and you can go home. So, could I have researched it myself? Yes, but when you're experiencing trauma, reasonable things aren't always so easily considered. I could have used someone giving me a little direction on this. And then there's the pain factor. Now it's known that scar tissue may cause pain in several ways and sometimes that pain is due to skin tightness which may make it more difficult to move freely as in my case. In other cases scar tissue pain occurs due to nerve damage resulting from that original injury. So if the wound was deep and affected nerves or tendons a person might have long-term symptoms such as pain or numbness in the affected area like my abdomen. An article on medicalnewstoday.com states that some people experience scar tissue pain as a result of fibrosis, which occurs when the body um, grows an excessive amount of scar tissue, so it like gets thick and there's a lot of it. Fibrosis causes what we call adhesions that may lead to ongoing pain, inflammation, and a loss of function in that tissue or joint. 
Now, I was told to use bio oil, this liquidy orange oil, to reduce the color of the scar, but color is now the least of my concerns. I really didn't care what the, the scar looked like. I just wanted it to heal in the best way possible. So mobility becomes a huge factor in scars that aren't cared for. So it's for me, it wasn't so much about the appearance. It was about how it left me stuck in my abdominal area. And we'll talk about some ways to manage this in just a few moments. So let's talk about some of the stuff that you can't see. Let's start with antibiotics. You've taken the full course, they've done their job, but in doing their job, they've also messed up your gut microbiome because that's what happens when we take antibiotics. This is the part that you don't hear about or necessarily get recommendations for or even know is an issue. So the gut microbiome can be disrupted not just by antibiotics, but also by any medications and treatments like chemotherapy and even by incisions that impact the skin microbiome. So the microbiome, just to give you a little idea, is a whole bunch of little um, bacteria living inside of your gut, and we have also have them on our skin, and some are good for us and some aren't, and it's really important to keep them in balance because they can help and support our body, but everything that we eat and put in ourselves and on ourselves can disrupt, including these things I'm talking about in terms of treatments. So first of all, scars are an opening into the body that has closed. If all goes well, they just heal up and the exposure to the inside of the body is ended. In the meantime, however, depending on the nature and invasiveness of the opening, the skin and internal microbiome, those bacteria I was talking about, can be impacted. Now the gut microbiome is relatively new on this scene in terms of healthcare and prevention, but it's a big one. If the bad bacteria is allowed to take over the good bacteria, the side effects can range from digestive disorders to hormone imbalance. Now this episode isn't really about the gut microbiome, so we're gonna leave it here and it opens the door for further discussion, but it's really important to remember that everything we put on and in our body can disrupt that microbiome and we really need to nurture it. So let's move on to a look at more invasive treatments. This is the stuff that requires getting inside you or pretty close, like minor surgeries, major surgeries, infusions like chemo and diagnostic procedures that require injections or infusions to name a few. These types of treatments can leave external and internal scars, tissue damage, nerve damage, and chemicals in your system. I belong to a group of colon cancer survivors, and one day someone asked if anyone else could feel the scar in their colon where the pieces were put back together after the surgery. I can. It's like a real thing. It's so weird, but... Let's just say that if I had been less than diligent about my fiber intake, I can feel that scar. Like So if I haven't been eating enough stuff to, let's just say it, make my poop a little bit softer and moving a little bit easier, I can feel that place where it was put back together. It's so weird, but it's kind of cool all at the same time. So yeah, it's kind of a real thing, actually. This internal scarring is where tough tissue bands form between your abdominal tissues and your organs and they can develop after surgery. And there's also they're also known as um, 
abdominal adhesions. Now, normally our insides are slippery and move naturally, but adhesions can cause the slippery internal tissues and organs to kind of stick together. And they can also twist and pull your small or large intestines, causing obstructions, and that can cause pain. Now, apparently most people develop them and don't have problems, but it's something to be aware of. Our body has normal patterns that it likes to follow, um, and so like a blocked road, the traffic, or in this case, tissue, has to find a different path, and that causes a whole sort of chain reaction inside of the body. So all of that about scars, let's move on to talking about brain fog. Chemo brain, memory loss, whatever you wanna call it, these are real things. This is my every day. Nobody talked about that as procedures were being explained to me. Nor did they say that things may or may not come back. Like I get this shrug from doctors and or people in response like, yeah, chemo brain, it happens. Or my favorite, well, you are getting older. I was 43 when this started, so I didn't really consider myself old at the time. And I really feel like this whole chemo brain thing is kind of brushed off as a, well, at least you didn't die, right? Oh, you're still here. Like that's the least of your concerns. But it's kind of a big thing. Like it's really hard to be around people and feel like you can't remember stuff that should be so obvious. And I wasn't prepared for this. For the first year after treatment, I was missing basic vocabulary, like like things like sofa or garbage can and even basic nouns, they were just completely gone and I found it really, really frustrating. Now I've developed some coping tools where I tell people to never start a conversation with me with the word remember because I don't. It's unlikely that I can until I get some prompting or some cues. And then once you get me on track, I'm fine, but I feel so dumb sometimes when I can't access things that I need to access and I remember things that people are like, how can you not remember having talked to me? I literally stood there and had a conversation with you. But sometimes, friends, maybe you can empathize, it just disappears. So I feel like it's one of those things that we need to talk about and we need to give ourselves a little bit of love on because we're all just doing the best that we can. And I think, I feel like if you haven't experienced it, you can't really understand it. And then there's trauma. So this can cover a lot of territory because what may be traumatic to one person may not be traumatic to another. But what I mean here is the emotional and spiritual piece of healing. The stuff that you may not see on the outside, but that's holding a space inside that feels heavy, sad, or confusing. It um, shows up as fear, anger, confusion, PTSD, and it can be really debilitating. Triggers are part of this trauma and triggers I think can be a whole episode in themselves but there are things like smells or songs or um, moments, things that you see that can really set you off and that you might not be prepared for. So triggers are something that you can learn how to work around. I work with my coaching clients on ways to sort of resolve their emotions or manage their emotions in the moment when something has set them off because I think it's really important to have some strategies and it's also really important as you go back to that episode on self-awareness to know what your triggers are to be able to identify them 
to be so self-aware that you can almost predict that they're going to happen so that you can prepare yourself for them. So if you missed that episode, you can go back and look up episode 1.9 on self-awareness. So why do we need to look at healing beyond the doctor's office? To begin with, we want to restore homeostasis in the body. We want to restore balance in our body. Our bodies want to be healthy. They want to be in balance and we need to nurture them and get our bodies back or as close to back to that place where they were to that homeostasis prior to cancer as we possibly can. Also, we want to allow for the resumption of normal movement in the body. And I talked about scarring and scarring that's untreated leading to mobility issues. When the body is pulled away from its natural state of center, it can throw everything off. I've been told by my massage therapist and my osteopath that I have a curve to the right, which makes complete sense in my body because all of my surgeries have been on the right-hand side. So the scarring has extended into the fascia and it's pulling and twisting me on the inside. Left unattended, this is going to have a chain reaction in the body. So I am learning to manage that through some hands-on treatments. Next is the preventage of energetic blocks. Our bodies are energy. Our bodies are subtle energy. And it's about the meridians in our body. They're like a highway system for our energetic flow. The result of a scar is the holding on of negative energy um, memory of that event. And this negative energy needs to be released. A scar can also act as a barrier preventing the natural flow of the body's energy. It holds the energy back and just doesn't allow it to move along like it's supposed to, like it would naturally want to or through a point, particularly if there's a scar there. And this can lead to an accumulation or stagnation of energy that might bring on new physical problems in the same area of the body. It's actually a really interesting topic if you are curious about subtle energy because it um, really speaks to the other side of us that we can dig into healing through meditation and mindfulness. And then I've already alluded to um, the restoration of our microbiome and we need to do this because it's critical to our overall well-being. So I just want to spend a minute talking about the gut-brain axis. The gut-brain axis is our messenger highway between those two pieces, the gut and the brain. The gut is called the second brain, and it's called that for a reason. This is because so much of our health, physical and mental, comes from the ability for our gut and our brain to talk to each other. The messages between these two control self-awareness, emotion, morality, fear, memory, and even motivation. There's a great book uh, by Julia Enders called Gut, and I think that it's worth a read if you're interested in understanding a little bit more about how the gut and the brain work together. So I can put that in the show notes. And then there's hormone balance, which is also regulated in the gut. Our gut bacteria produces our serotonin. In fact, hundreds of neurochemicals that the brain uses to regulate basic physiological and mental processes such as learning and memory and mood are actually controlled by the gut. Our gut bacteria manufacture about 95% of the body supply of serotonin, which influences both your mood and your gastrointestinal activity. 
this is really interesting too because serotonin helps us to find some calm and some regulation in our body which is really important when you're living with stress when you're living with chronic illness living with cancer so we want to keep that stress down we want to keep the serotonin uptake going into our brain so that we can be regulated and find calm and peace of mind And all of this, having said that the gut bacteria also influences your um, GI, your gastrointestinal activity, leads nicely into the topic of digestion. So long story short, the lining of the gut is its own little community. And that community works together to process everything we send it. It is a living, delicate balance. So when we load it up with antibiotics and chemicals and unhealthy foods, alcohol, stress, and a sedentary lifestyle, it gets out of balance. Now this piece you can totally take control of and your gut's going to thank you so much and so will your brain and your reproductive system, your heart, your digestive system, and your immune system. You can take control of what you're putting in your body in terms of food, in terms of nutrition, in terms of thoughts, and that can help to regulate your gut bacteria. And this leads nicely into taking control of our health after treatment, surgeries, and medications in regards to the immune system. The immune system counts on us plugging along nicely, doing all the things that we're supposed to do, feeding it healthy whole foods, getting out in the sun, keeping our stress levels down, and staying healthy in general to help um, prevent trips to the doctor. Every invasive treatment, whether it's physical or chemical, compromises in some way, shape, or form the immune system. When it senses danger, when your immune system senses danger, it kicks into action and sends out the troops to get rid of whatever it is that's getting you down. It wants to do its job, but what is lacking is the education on why we need to treat it with a whole lot of love and care. If the immune system isn't restored after it has a big job, it's going to get tired. And when it gets tired, just like any of us, it's not running at full capacity and that leaves it open to secondary or subsequent issues. So we really, really need to think about how we can support our immune systems when we're living with cancer. And next, I want to talk just for a moment about emotional trauma. We need to heal our emotional trauma. If you are living with cancer, you have been through a lot. Maybe the biggest thing you've ever been through in your life. And living in that struggle of pain can be debilitating. The stuff that's going on on the inside is the really hard stuff to heal, especially when you don't know where to go, you don't have the resources, physical, emotional, or even financial, to seek help, or you don't even know that there's something going on inside you until wham, it hits you in the heart. I had no real idea the emotional trauma that my family endured in 2015 when I was going through my treatments and surgeries. On the outside, we all looked good, but I've only recently learned in the last few years how deeply my cancer diagnosis impacted my family. You see, trauma doesn't just impact the patient. Living with trauma can be a catalyst to other issues like depression, anger, unmanageable fear, isolation, and erratic behavior. And everyone processes trauma differently. So it's really important to keep your eyes and your ears and your heart open to what's going on with yourself, but also to be attentive to what's going on in your family 
when it comes to understanding and processing what is happening in a loved one's body and life. So what do you need to know to help yourself heal? Just talked about a whole bunch of the pieces, but what do you need to know to actually help yourself heal? To rebuild your health, you need to heal your body and your soul. And that is going to look different for everyone. There's lots of things that you can do to heal physically and emotionally, and they don't have to cost anything or a lot. They can be things that you can find access to. So at home or in office type therapies can help a person manage their personal healing. They could include things like massage, either by yourself or a registered massage therapist, exercise programs to help reduce joint stiffness due to scar tissue, um, emotional release of pent up feelings, rehabilitation of movement, and so much more. And even something as simple as moisturizer, just like a cocoa butter or a shea butter that you can put on your skin to keep a scar soft and just rub it into the scar to break down the tissue and allow that scar to heal. Just, I want to say, make sure that those scents, um, sorry, those moisturizers are chemical and scent free. We want to have as clean a product on our body as we can. Meditation can help to bring calm into your body and your mind and your spirit by slowing you down, by bringing you back to your breath, by helping you go inside. Yoga can help to bring gentle movement back into the body and can also help with concentration and energetic flow because you're super present in your body when you're doing yoga and you're connecting to your breath. Reiki, an energetic practice, can help move blocked energy and help to release physical and emotional buildup. And things like acupuncture and reflexology can also help to move energy, release blockages, and also manage pain. And then there's things like osteopathic and chiropractic treatments that can help to realign your body and bring mobility back in, as well as realigning your central nervous system, which can be a key factor if you have elevated stress. We want to bring that central nervous system back to homeostasis, back to center so that you can calm and breathe and get out of fight or flight. Something else is infrared saunas. They build heat on the inside of the body naturally without compromising respiration due to steam. Some people just can't do a steam sauna, but an infrared makes you hot from the inside out, which really helps you to sweat out and cleanse and release toxins from inside of your bodies and just give your cells a little bit of a scrub. There's probiotics that you can take to help reset your gut bacteria. If you're having memory issues, you can do memory games, crossword puzzles, knitting to help rebuild neural pathways, um, reintroduce vocabulary, help to reset your brain, help to, these things help to access the left and the right hemispheres in your brain and get them talking to each other again. Um, especially when patterns and crossing over from one side of the body to the other is required. So you can do some work in that memory piece. And then of course there's food, which is always a healer when you're eating the right foods. Knowing what you can and can't eat is going to allow you to take some control of your health and your rebuilding of your health process. And Food is one of the big pieces that I talk about in my coaching program. I always start with food actually by having a person share with me what they eat and then helping them to 
gently introduce different ways of eating if they need to or foods that are supportive to their immune system, anti-inflammatory foods. And that's not something that, um, that needs to happen after treatment. It's something that needs to happen during treatment. But if you didn't know about it when you were in treatment, it's never too late to start. Food is something that you actually can manage and take control of once you know what it is that you need to do. So I encourage you to remember that your whole body needs to be nurtured as one. Your health is a whole body experience. And when you nurture one part, you need to consider the other parts. These are the components to living a healthy lifestyle, bringing together all of the pieces of the body and the mind and the spirit to help you to understand what's going on inside of you and on you so that you can work through that healing after the process. But remember too that you can start to work on your healing in the process. You don't have to wait. You get to decide. Feeling understood and supported is really important when you're living with cancer. It starts with one call and an investment in yourself. The question is no longer do you want support. The question is have you decided to start feeling supported? Support is just one decision away. Schedule your call today and let's talk about how cancer support coaching will give you what you need outside of the medical system so that you can feel not just supported but understood. As a cancer support coach, I provide the space for you to talk through what you're going through. And I know from my own experience that sometimes you need a third party to talk to, a neutral person and a voice of experience to help you sort through all of the ins and outs. That's why as a coach, I can be there for you and with you to help you explore your thoughts and feelings and help you discover how you can create your own version of living to thrive with cancer. You can find me at katherinewhite.coach or you can contact me at contact at katherinewhite.coach and we can schedule a call to talk today. Thank you so much for being here today. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day and may you live your life to your fullest follow your heart, and thrive in all you do.